Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to The Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Lawrence and I'm joined by... This is Dan. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm okay. We're doing back-to-back episodes, so... I already know how you are, but I just thought I'd, I'd check again just so that the listeners know a week later how you're doing. The quirks of podcasting and recording stuff. Quite right, quite right. And how was your Halloween? <laughs> my Halloween, um, well, my Halloween was great. I am talking in the future, though, because I haven't had Halloween yet, but I'm assuming my Halloween was great. How was your Halloween? My Halloween was to die for. And how was your bonfire night? Oh, yeah, God, this isn't coming out for a while, Jesus. Yeah, my bonfire night was fantastic, thank you. How was yours? Yeah, it was superb, and, and we hope we extend that to the listeners. It is October the 25th. <laughs> we, we hope you had a, a wonderful Halloween and bonfire nights. We do. If um, you're in the UK. Yeah, as we were saying, this, this, episode, this episode was supposed to release two weeks ago. Um, however, we recorded it, I edited it. And then my laptop decided that it didn't want to be my friend anymore and it deleted everything, which was fantastic. Um, I swore quite a bit and we've had some words and hopefully that won't be happening again. Otherwise, um, I'll be sending it off to the gulag. But this week, we are going to be focusing on a game that we've covered a few of in the series already, but this really takes it back to bare bones. So we're covering Zelda Collector's Edition which released on the GameCube in 2003. Now, this is a collection of four games, two of which we've already covered on the list, um, with two of them being Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. So if you want to hear us go into depth about those two games, please check out those episodes. They're pretty good ones. And uh, Majora's Mask is one of, if not Dan's favourite game of all time, so it's an interesting episode. But today we're going to be focusing on the other two games that are in this collection, being Zelda 1 and Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link, uh, which released in 1986 and 1987 respectively. But the Zelda collection comes in at number 36 on our list with a meta score of 95. However, the original Zelda 1 and Zelda 2 came out on the Famicom and then on the NES as we said in the mid uh, mid 1980s. So, firstly, what's your history with these two games? I have never played these two Zelda games. They there's a couple that I haven't played actually. So these are two of them. I've not played um, I've not played the Oracle of Seasons or Ages as well. Spirit I Tracks. Think they're very good. Um, I've not played Spirit Tracks and I've not played Phantom Hourglass. Um, but I've played all the quote unquote mainline entries apart from one and two. Um, so one and two are completely new for me, and I suppose with these games, I think there's a there's, there's just a big caveat with these games, which is that they are very 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 old games, and older than us. Everything, yeah, everything we discuss about these games has that caveat because, I mean, time is a thing, and these games are affected by it, and I think. 
by quite a long stretch, these are the oldest games on the list. So yeah, it's by about five or six years, I think, with the the closest one to them being another Zelda game, which is a link to the past, which we've already covered. Yes. Um, which we struggled with a lot of it was because of its age. So see if that kind of reflects in our conversation about these two games. Um, but I, I'm similar to you. Anyone that's listened to the podcast for more than a few episodes knows that the Zelda games weren't really something I was that interested in growing up. And it's still something that I'm a little bit take or leave it now. Um, but these are so old, they feel like they could be from a different series because relics yeah it's of a bygone era quite right like our good friend old snake <laughs> so what version did you play what console did you play these on please i played i played on the nintendo switch um nintendo online you can access all the old nintendo entertainment system games and all the super nintendo games well not all of them that's a, every a stretch, single one you heard it <laughs> here you first. Play, you can play these two here. Um, so I played I played them on that. And it's just a very easy, convenient way to play them. And there are some quality of life things that really help with these games. They've got... Um, it's essentially a quick save system that you can use at any point. So if you're, if you're about to do a tough section, you can just quick save it. Rewind and as then, well. Yeah. And if things go wrong just reset and it takes a lot of the stress out of these old games yeah and that's that's probably the biggest thing you'll come up against when playing games that are of this age is we mentioned it when we recorded this episode before and uh we're, we're, we're trying to cover the stuff that was good about that recording but also take out some of the fluff because anyone that listens yeah. knows that we we do ramble sometimes but one of the things noted is that Games from back then were a lot harder. You you go back and play some original NES games, games like uh, Ninja Gaiden or um, Ghouls and... Is it... Goblins. Ghouls and Goblins. You corrected me on that last time we recorded this and I still haven't learned. But yeah, Ghouls and Goblins is one of the hardest games ever. <laughs> Did you ever. say Ghouls and Ghosts? Or? Ghouls and something ghouls else and beginning with G. from the Black Lagoon. Yes. Um, but those two are, uh, you know, notoriously hard NES games. Yeah. And a lot of the games at the time were very similar because, you know, you, you bought a game like this back in the day and that's it for quite a while if you're a kid. Like, it wasn't like today you just download a free game like Fortnite or, or something else. It was you got your, your pocket money or your, your allowance unless you were a very lucky young lady or young boy. Um, and... That was it. That was your game. And these games are meant to last, I think. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a hangover from the arcade eras where you'd go in, you'd spend your money on the arcades and you'd invariably get wiped out and then you put in more money. So it was um, games back then. It's almost like they weren't meant to be completed. Um, and I think games released at this time on consoles were similar in that they'd inherited that. And there was almost this inbuilt half expectation that you were never going to see the end screen. Um, I do think games like Zelda came around and maybe changed that conversation a bit. But yeah, it's still there are still traces of that, to say the least. And I think to to kind of 
avoid a lot of frustration with these two games because we knew how cryptic and how difficult they could be. We've changed it up a little bit this time. So usually when we cover a game, we both play it, we both try to complete it and we discuss it. However, with this, we decided it will probably be better for our own sanity that one of us plays but doesn't complete one of them and the other does the same with the second game. So the way that we did it is Dan played and completed Zelda 1 and I played and didn't complete but got quite far in Zelda 2. And the way that we did that was um, there's like a, a special version of both of these games on the store, isn't there, that kind of gives yeah. you... Easy mode. Easy mode, effectively. Because uh, we, we weren't playing this game for the difficulty. We were, we were playing these games for the experience. To experience, to get yeah. a feel of what they were. Because these are so different to anything else, really, that's on the list. And, I mean, you know, this game, the first game came out five years before I was born and four years before you were born. These are These are different to the other things that we've covered so far on the list. So... They are both very basic in terms of their storytelling, as were many games from the 1980s. But do you want to give a brief description of Zelda 1? Well, Zelda 1, you are lumped straight into the world. Um, you walk around a bit, you pick up a sword. And... Only if you want to, though. Yeah, if you if you want to survive, you pick up the sword. But then that's... I mean, I think that's a cool design element um, with this game. And... You go through eight dungeons and you collect parts of the Triforce and eventually you will face Ganon and you will save Princess Zelda. And it really is that simple. Um, There are bits of... uh, You couldn't even call them lore, but there are tidbits about the world here and there. Um, But that was the extent of the story and, and arguably it didn't need much story at the time. No. How about Zelda 2? Very similar, to be honest. I think that Zelda 2 is kind of like a continuation of Zelda 1 in that it takes place after you've defeated Ganon. But Zelda... You, same as Zelda may 1. May or may there, not be. There's no... May, may or may not be, yeah. There's no... So, according to... Uh, I think it's in Japan um, that they that they said it was the same. And I think in the US, they said that it wasn't the same Zelda. So it may or may not be. To make it nice and simple for everyone, which is always much appreciated. Um, but this game supposedly takes place not long after the first game, where Zelda is in a slumber, she's in a sleep, and you have to go to six palaces to obtain these different stones, defeating Ganon's minions who are quite knocked at you for, you know, killing their best mate. And the the aim of the game is you go through the palaces, get the stones to open up more of the game, to obtain the Triforce of Courage, to then wake Zelda up, and that's pretty much it. It's, again, it's simple. And these games are more so about the gameplay and about the, the journey rather than the story, because storytelling in games from the 1980s was very, very bare bones, really. Yeah. Um, but... That takes us nicely into gameplay as king, which is where these games probably have the most to talk about. So, the first Zelda game, then, is it fun? Yeah, I think it's quite fun. Um, if you've played 
a 2D top-down Zelda game before, there is a there's a level of familiarity you'll have when you're playing this game, and it plays nicely, and um, swinging your sword, using your shield, using the various other weapons you've got, all feels quite nice. Um, there are different strategies you use when defeating the enemies. Um, the dungeons are probably the, the most fun bits to the game um, because there's a there's a certain amount of um, memorizing different rooms and learning where the keys are and the strategies for defeating the enemies and how to advance. Um, yeah, I think it's fun. I I wouldn't have liked to play this game with all my attention on this game, but if you're playing it on Switch in handheld and you've got something on the screen, you're watching something, I think this is the perfect game for that, to have one eye on and then you can just play it that way. Um, it's not perfect. I mean, there, there are there are definitely some frustrating moments in there. Um, anyone that's played the game will know that the Dark Nuts are <laughs> really bloody annoying. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not perfect, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's fun. Um, how about Zelda 2? Yeah, it's the thing with Zelda 2 is it's got a difficulty spike in it. And we should mention as well that these games are different in the fact that Zelda 1 is kind of like a, a top-down game. And Zelda 2 has elements of being a top-down game in the, in, the, uh, in the overworld, which is like when you're walking across um, the landscape or the map in Final Fantasy when things can come and get into random battles with you but as soon as you get into those battles or whenever you enter a village or whenever you enter a dungeon or a palace it becomes a side scroller and that's where this game is very very different from any of the other Zelda games in the series because I don't think another game has done that since and this game is fun because of its challenge it isn't ridiculously hard well no it is ridiculously hard but it never feels cheap. There yeah. are, as compared to Zelda 1, which of which I played a little bit of, or A Link to the Past, where you can go in and just swipe, and as long as you're in the vicinity of the enemy, unless they're blocking, they'll, you know, you'll land a hit. Whereas with Zelda 2, you have to really get to grips with the way that your enemy fights, otherwise they'll, they'll just beat you. The, the sword fighting in this game is is a bit above kind of what Zelda 1 and, and Link to the Past do because there is a lot of strategy to it. And you even look at the last boss in this game, which is, um, I think it's the first ever version of Dark Link that turns up. And that fight is absolutely solid. It's so hard because he just mirrors everything you do like an ocarina of time. But because the the fighting strategy in this game is so precise as to you know that the moves that your enemies can do and what you need to do to avoid or block or or attack or counter it makes the fight so much harder unless you just crouch at the bottom left hand side of the screen and, and go from that way but if that's the case then you're a fraud and you're a cheat and i won't have it but yeah overall i think this game's fun um as long as you've got a lot of patience which i don't always have but I managed to get a fair way through without snapping my switch into, which I think is a testament to my godlike patience and skills <laughs> in that area. Um, but yeah, what what about the best move? What was your favourite move in this game? Um, well, if you've got full hearts in Zelda 1, 
you get to throw your sword and it means that you can defeat enemies from the other side of the screen and I mean that's just a cool move isn't it and it's just a lot of fun and it rewards you for being at full health so if you play well you get to fling your sword at enemies and if you are down on hearts you lose that option so it's a nice little reward for those people that are playing and trying to retain their hearts and it's just it just feels good to do so yeah i think that's a cool move um how about in zelda 2 it all links in with the the combat and as i've just said there the combat i think is quite good in this game and as you progress you unlock different moves and one of them you get is like a downward strike so you get an upward strike as well but there's a move that you can do where you can effectively jump up in the air and then Link will point his sword down and you can kind of bounce on someone's head with your sword. And it's a really, really handy way of um, getting through certain fights where you can't see an opening or you can't see how, how to progress. It's a bit of a lifesaver in that aspect. But there are other elements of this game as well. It's very RPG-like. And you can do moves like, you know, use your magic to get a shield or to restore some of your life or to turn into a fairy and fly through an area that you're struggling with. It will take up a lot of your MP, but it's there if you want to use it, if you want to take the risk of maybe not getting any more magic until the end of the palace or whatever. But there are a lot of elements of this game that I think, yeah, that's quite a cool, cool move. And, you know, I, I don't think Link's turned into a fairy in a, any game since Zelda 2, unless I'm mistaken. I can't think of any. Um, so you might you might have a good point there. You might have a good point, but maybe I won't. And that's the that, that's the question. Um, another thing that I wanted to touch on briefly was the the gaming sphere, I suppose, at the time when this game was released. So in 1983, the video game market crashed, and no one was making video games anymore because the market had become just so oversaturated with just rubbish, just tat. And I said to you when we recorded this last time, you had companies like dog food companies releasing games um, of just rubbish. And the consumers got sick of it. And although I don't think it it crashed because of this game, it always seems like a tipping point in this conversation is E.T., on the Atari 2600. But you also look at other games that came out around the time, uh, such as the Pac-Man uh, port that came out on the Atari 2600 as well. And there was just no concept of quality control. Anyone could release a game. Anything could just be pumped out. And it was just... It doesn't surprise me that the, the game industry just crashed. But then... In I think it was 85, so a couple of years later, Nintendo came along and released the NES in, in North America, and they released Mario. And Nintendo's always kind of been heralded as the company that saved the gaming industry, and, you know, you had the, the Nintendo seal of quality that they wouldn't release any games unless it had that. And, you know, they took a lot of companies to court that tried to release games that didn't have that seal of approval from Nintendo. And then a year later, Zelda came out. And Zelda has always been around, really, when you think about it. like Zelda's always been there in the collective gamer's mind, I think. But I just wanted to make a point of this game is, this series is that old. 
that it was one of the very first games that came out after Nintendo really restarted the game industry. And you can hear Shigeru Miyamoto talk about his where where he got his ideas for Zelda and where the themes of that game came from of adventure from when he was a young boy playing in Japan, going out into the woods and exploring. And I just wanted to touch on that briefly because it wouldn't seem right talking about a video game from the 1980s without mentioning the game crash, yeah. particularly as this is really the only opportunity we'll get to talk about a game from that era unless... And I also want to point out with this game, Zelda was not a thing, as you said, and this was the first... Well, Zelda 1 was the first Zelda game. And from what I've heard from people that were around at the time, as as we said, we were not, um, it was revolutionary it was one of the the first games to really achieve that idea of exploration which breath of the wild picked up in the most recent zelda um and this was a game that let you go off on your own adventure and i think for a long long time games have been trying to rediscover that 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 freshness and to those gamers that played it at the time this was something new this was something special and uh we can't possibly emulate that i mean it's just you just can't do it um so yeah i think it's worth bearing in mind those gamers that played it at the time as well and why this game has a special place in many people's hearts yeah definitely it's certainly um well not the zelda collection as a whole but these two games in particular a certainly a very unique addition into this list and it's something that we don't often get to explore or talk about and i think it's quite nice to kind of because this game com- comes out as a collection you kind of have to judge it as that whole thing including majora's mask and ocarina of time but this has given us quite a good opportunity to look into things a little bit deeper as to where the gaming world was before we were even born and I've said in a few episodes that every gamer will think that the games they grew up with in their childhood is the golden era of gaming. So for me, I think that the late 90s and early noughties was the golden era. And you probably feel the same. Um, whereas kids that... Kids. People that are, you know, in their early 20s now would say that the the early noughties was... Um, not noughties? No, the early 10s, the early 2010s was the, the the best time to be a gamer you know with with games like um call of duty being massive and minecraft and all of that but you think back to it and really th- this is where it all properly started there's an argument to be made that you know pre-85 with arcades and games like pong and you know arcade games that were actually good on the atari would have that ar- space argument. Invaders. Space Invaders or games on the Magnavox Odyssey. But... Frogger. Frogger. I'm just throwing out old games. Pac-Man. Chess. <sighs> um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to touch on that briefly as I think it's it's kind of a, a nice thing to explore and discuss, even if it's something we don't discuss very often. So, yeah. The question of the week then is a question you've already answered to me. Uh, before but i can't remember what you said to be honest so we'll we'll go for it again so the overall formula 
for Zelda hasn't changed that much since 1986, really. A few tweaks here and there, and I know Breath of the Wild 2 looks slightly different in comparison to other Zelda games. But what do you think it is that keeps Zelda fresh and keeps people coming back and, you know, investing in this series that has not changed that much in 35 years? So I think first what you have to do to answer this question, you've got kind of, you've got to reduce Zelda to the sum of its parts and you've got to say what that structure is that, and what it seems to be is you are a person who's usually Link, I think always Link, um, and you are on an adventure and you stop off at various dungeons, collect certain parts of a whole, and you use those to vanquish evil. That is, at its heart, what Zelda is. What I think different Zelda games do is they, they put different a different spin on it. I mean, sometimes they adhere rigidly to that. Sometimes they disregard it. For example, in Breath of the Wild, if you want to, you are Link, yes. But you can disregard the four temples dash dungeons that are scattered in the world and you can go straight to ganon um if you want to and even zelda one one of the, one of the really interesting and quite forward-thinking design choices i think they made with that game was the fact that you don't have to do the dungeons in a set order um you can do dungeons out of order and i did a few dungeons out of order and um you can adapt the game to your the way you want to play it and obviously Zelda 2 is its own thing it just turned the series on its head whilst kind of staying within those those boundaries I suppose that's what they are they're boundaries that they kind of stay within but they're quite broad and they're quite um they allow for a lot of freedom and uh, changes in tone and then you've got things like um Link's Awakening which did away with Zelda so you've got a Zelda game without the Zelda and Majora's Mask, another Zelda game without the Zelda. And I think it's the things that make those games unique within that framework that make them special. Not all of them, I think, are equal. I think some are better than others. But I think it's a really simple thing. And that is that this idea of someone going out on an adventure and defeating evil is very timeless, yeah. very simple. It's something that all ages can relate to, something that you can relate to in your childhood and you'll carry through to your older years. And it's a story that in books and in films hasn't died. So there's no reason why it would become stale in video games as long as you keep experimenting within that framework. And I think the other thing is, Every single game, every single series has a framework. Um, MGS, for example, has a framework. And they all play within that framework. And that's fine. There, There's such a thing as positive boundaries that can um, focus your development, I suppose. And I think that's what Zelda games have tended to do right. Like I said, they're not all equal. And I, I don't claim that they are. But I think that's why it's still relevant today. And I think that's why you've got a few franchises um, that have been around for a very long time that have survived to this day because they obviously struck something within gamers that still resonates. 
and I think Zelda is one successful example of that. Yeah, definitely. It, it's a juggernaut of the the gaming um, gaming world, really, isn't it? It's, it's kind of gaming royalty up there with Mario and Metal Gear and Final Fantasy, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think that answer was better than the first answer I gave in the in the first recording. So you've been let's go with that one. So, as well as that, we'll briefly touch on the look and the sound of these games. There's not too much that we can say with these because they are, again, games of their their period and a lot of games looked quite similar at the time. But what would you say about the look and and, and sound of these games? I think it's interesting that if you're playing Zelda 1, you will hear the Zelda theme. And there are stories out there of how Shigeru Miyamoto came up with the Zelda theme. Um, and, And it's still the same and it's a good theme. Um... And it's just interesting that it was born here. It wasn't born in the third game or the fourth game. Um, it started here. It's like, um, I always find it fascinating that with James Bond, in Doctor No, you've got the James Bond theme. It started there. And it's been carried through all these years. It's kind of like, um, I, don't, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's an establishment almost. And uh, yeah, so you've got the Zelda theme. Now, the only issue is in that overworld, that Zelda theme plays throughout and then you've got a separate dungeon theme that plays when you're in dungeons. So there's not, there's not a sweeping array of um, uh, tracks within the soundtrack here. And the, the graphics were limited to what colors they could use at the time and how many pixels they could show on a screen. Um, But I mean, it's not unpleasant to look at, but it's also not going to blow you away. I think for example, a link to the past is uh, a lot more aesthetically pleasing than Zelda 1. And I think Zelda 2 is a bit more aesthetically pleasing than Zelda 1, but I think A Link to the Past blows them both out of the water in terms of its looks. Yeah, of course. And, I mean, A Link to the Past came out on the SNES, didn't it, in 91? Um, yes. So that there's a few years between them, so it's understandable as to why. But, yeah, I, I think that these games... You, you can't really say, oh, I think they look good for their time because most games look quite the, quite similar for the time. But th- I don't think they look bad and I don't think they've aged badly because of their look, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which, you know... They're not going to offend you. Yeah, exactly. So I suppose that brings us to our conclusion then. It's a bit of a shorter episode, but these are, you know, these are shorter games and they're very easy to talk about i think so what's your conclusion does the zelda collection as a whole but taking ocarina of time and majora's mask out of the equation does it deserve to be on this list it's funny because this is obviously the second time we've had this conversation and i feel like um during this discussion we've 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 both been a bit more positive towards the games and i think maybe that's because of the last game that we played um that we feel that way but um, as I said to begin this episode, everything that was said was said with the caveat that these are very, very, very old games. Yeah. I mean, very old games. And it's impressive that they still hold up and are playable today. Um, that being said, I don't think they deserve to be on the list. I mean, you could make an argument if you were around at the time and you played them then how revolutionary they were. And I, and I understand that. But I think pound for pound if you put them up against some of the other things on the list and what should or shouldn't be there i think 
they just fall short. And that's not to say they weren't revolutionary or really impressive and still hold up. But it's just, I suppose, the measuring stick has changed, hasn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'd agree with you. I don't think these games do deserve to be on this list, but I would recommend them to someone that's interested about finding out more about the Zelda series because they're not they're not awful to play and they're not bad games, but I just don't think you can throw them into the equation when you're talking about the top 100 video games of all time. That's it. Um, yeah. They're interesting and they're certainly a relic and they're an experience. And I'm glad that I've played them but it's not something yeah. I'd go back to and play again and it's not something I'd be like, oh, one of the best games ever that is. I, yeah, I can't see same. it. But you then have to take into consideration that these games were added onto this list with the addition of Majora's Mask in Ocarina of Time being included in that collector's edition. So maybe that's what really brings them up because obviously um, Ocarina of Time is the highest rated game of all time. So you, you add that into a collection, that's immediately going to bump it up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, this it's a bit of a strange entry into the list, but if you do want to hear our thoughts on Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time, we do encourage you to go to those episodes and you can you can discover whether or not we thought they belonged on the list. Yeah, I think those are good episodes as well, so I'd recommend that. But that brings us to the end of our journey with the Zelda Collector's Edition, Zelda 1 and 2 focus episode thing that we've done here today. So we've got quite a big game coming up next time and yeah. it's in line with a um, a quite a big release, isn't it? So what are we doing next time, which I think we're releasing in two weeks from release of this episode? So we are we are doing um, the recently announced Grand Theft Auto Remastered Trilogy. And if you've been following us with the list, you know that we've played GTA 3 already. We've also played GTA 4, but let's put that out of our minds for the moment. Um, and we are going this time to Vice City, which we're going to play on the remastered trilogy. And we are going to discuss on the podcast. Which I'm looking forward to because it's my favourite Grand Theft Auto game. And um, I'm very interested to see what this new definitive edition adds and removes. And to tell you what, if, they, if they've removed that music, that music from Flash FM, they'll be hell to pay, Rockstar. You're listening. So yeah, it's going to be a good one. So join us next time. Indeed. As usual, you can find us in all the normal places, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Email us at the long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it to a friend or relative or colleague or pet. Um, and if you enjoy it, please consider rating on your preferred podcast supplier. It just helps us reach more people and helps more people find us. But yeah, that's it from me. We'll see you in two weeks for our journey back into the 1980s for Vice City. And until then, take care. Cheerio. See you on the next one.